Bishop Earl and I finish our discussion on Mormon myths next on polygamy. What love is this? This is part two of myths that both Mormons and polygamists follow as part of their religious doctrine and traditions. Yeah. We tackle this particular topic because God has instructed his people not to follow myths or fables. One of the verses that we quoted last time is this. From 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, Nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now, despite God's warning, the LDS Church requires endless genealogies. Yes, they do, and many hours. Oh. In fact, the combined <laughs> hours that members spend doing what God has forbidden reaches well into the hundreds of thousands of hours annually, wouldn't you say, oh. with all of their members, what they're doing? Yep. Now, since there is no second chance for any eternal choices after this life, gene ge genealogy work has no eternal value anyway, and is following a myth. A website, mrm.org, lists eight myths of the Mormon religion, and we've drawn from some of them as we complete our discussion this time, and we want to discuss number six from the MRM list, and that is the myth that the Book of Mormon has been proven by archaeology. <laughs> by the way, one mm. reason that our show targets the mainline LDS Church in, in some of our shows, sure. and their doctrine is because it's some, many, many times people will leave a polygamy group and then turn around and join the mainline church because it's familiar and, yeah. and it, they feel safe. Um, and all of Mormonism considered the Book of Mormon as scripture, but there is no archaeology of the Book of Mormon time, the people, the events, uh, the language, or the geography. There's none, we no. quote. And this is from their uh, MRM.org. To date, nothing has been found to verify Book of Mormon sites. In fact, many within the Mormon Church are beginning to abandon the idea that the Book of Mormon is a book of verifiable history. No credible archaeologist outside of the Mormon Church considers the book to have any New World archaeological value. Now, remember last time we talked about the people who wondered if the Book of Mormon was a history book or right. a spiritual book. Right. And this kind of fits right in with that. And we also realize that there are LDS tour companies that advertise and sell tours to the Book of Mormon lands, but there are no Book of Mormon lands. They are selling a myth. Now, I did a very quick internet just to illustrate what we're saying, a search on the internet to illustrate what we're saying. And here is an example of just one of the Book of Mormon tour companies' claims. One of their advertisements, is yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate Book of Mormon lands, including the country of Honduras. Come discover, are these the lands of the Book of Mormon? Our guest lecturer will give us insights to the Book of Mormon, the people's past and present, and the sites our group will visit. Stay in luxury as you see the most significant ruins in Central America. This fantastic tour includes all of the most important ruins that date back to Book of Mormon time. Now, this is really very carefully worded it is. <laughs> to make the traveler think that he's actually visiting authentic historical Mormon sites, but there are none to visit. Right. Now, even the leaders of the church are not in agreement of where the Book of Mormon lands might be. There's a no. discussion of it might be here, it might be there. It might, it might be because North they, America, they, South America. Yeah. Exactly. They yeah. don't even know. So, And there's also many cruises and tours to Book of Mormon lands, but they're following myths which God has warned against. The next myth that we lifted from MRM.org is that polygamy was necessary in early Utah because there were so many more women than men. 
I and hear now, that all the time. Right? <laughs> I hear it all the time. Yeah. And it's been a while since we visited this myth, but we're going to do it again. We have a quote. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is fascinating. The fact is there were more men than women in early Utah when polygamy was being practiced. Mormon apostle John Witzow wrote on pages 390 and 391 of his book entitled Evidences and Reconciliations, the most common of these conjectures is that the church, through plural marriage, sought to provide husbands for its large surplus of female members. More females than male members in the church is not supported by existing evidence. And, <laughs> and actually there's not only lack of evidence that that's the case, but that there was a surplus of females. There is evidence that there were more males and females in the territory. Uh, and we have a, um, a screen um, that we want to put on the screen what the census uh, counts were from 1850 through 1900 in the Utah Territory. And it shows thousands, if you look at that, thousands of more males and females in the Utah Territory every single year that the census was taken. And some of them is past 10,000 yeah. more males and females. Sadly, many Mormons do continue to pass along this misinformation in their efforts to justify uh, Mormon piety your polygamy and it's a myth now the next myth is historically false and it is that Ju Joseph Smith died as a lamb led to the slaughter I don't know how many times you heard oh, that I, many many times me too <laughs> and since a small child and I still hear it hear people say about it yeah listen to this from John Taylor volume 7 the fact is Joseph Smith died in a gun battle using a p pistol that was smuggled to him while incarcerated at Carthage jail according to the documentary Documentary History of the Church, published six years after the fact, Joseph Smith pulled his six-shooter from his pocket and snapped the pistol six successive times. Only three of the barrels, however, were discharged. I afterwards understood that two or three were wounded by these discharges, two of whom, I am informed, died. So he killed a couple of people in this gun battle. It wasn't a lamb to the no, slaughter situation. No. And this is the testimony of John Taylor, who himself was hit five times by bullets in this gun battle. Yeah. And he was later president of the yeah, LDS Church. So John Taylor's eyewitness account records that it was a gun battle. Smith did not go to his death like a lamb to the slaughter. So you wonder how that <laughs> perpetuates when they have that kind of facts that somebody like John Taylor would say. I, just, uh, yeah. just exaggerations. It, the yeah. exaggeration that goes on, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, maybe that phrase was used that time. It's in Isaiah 53. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. maybe they lifted it and p applied it. Who knows? Yeah. Um, the next myth is one that many polygamists continue to teach. It might be something that may, the mainline church has or hasn't heard. I, I really don't know. But we were taught in the polygamy group, and, and I've heard other polygamists say this, this one. that when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, when he got the Ten Commandments, the first time, that when he came down, he saw the calf, the golden sure. calf, and the revelry the, of the Israelites in anger. He threw the Ten Commandments down to the ground, the stone tablets, and broke them to pieces. And then um, uh, later, they claimed that when Moses went back up on the mountain the second time to get the Ten Commandments, God withheld the higher law of polygamy on the second time around. No, we didn't teach that one. <laughs> now, according to them, polygamy was a commandment given with the original Ten Commandments, but the people had proven themselves unworthy of such a high law. So God withheld it until a later time when the people who were worthy could receive it. Now guess who those worthy people were? <laughs> yeah, guess. <laughs> 
I think they forget to remember that Abraham and Jacob, they used those men as examples for living polygamy, and they lived hundreds of years before yeah. Moses ever existed. That's right. Before the Ten Commandments were given. So what do they need a law for yeah. here? Yeah. Besides that, the Bible tells us that the second time God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he wrote on them exactly what he had written on the first ones. And we have the scripture and the quote. Yeah, from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. At that time the Lord said to me, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones and come up to me on the mountain. I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. The Lord wrote on these tablets which he had written before, what he had written before, the Ten Commandments he had proclaimed to you on the mountain, out of the fire, on the day of the assembly and the Lord gave them to me." So it says that he wrote what he had written before. And there's other references, by the way, in these passages that he did write exactly what he had written the first time. This is just the first, the only one we're going to read, but there are others. He wrote exactly what he'd written before. Their myth says he held some back, but that is a myth. It's not true. Uh, and, and also the New Testament prohibits polygamy, which is, of course, just religious authorized adultery. It prohibits <laughs> endless genealogies, and it prohibits but it's trying to earn eternal life through good works. Yeah. Yet, this culture has jumped into these activities head first. They don't believe what God said because some man came along and said something different. That's, and that's sad. It is. Another myth that we lifted off the MRM.org website is number four on their <laughs> list. And it says this. Yeah. All, number four, all of Joseph Smith's prophecies came to pass. Well, if that was true, Jesus would have returned in 1891, according to the documentary history of the church, chapter, uh, section 2, or book 2, I think it is, page 182. The Civil War would have poured out upon all nations from the Doctrine and Covenants 87, 1 through 3. The wicked of Smith's generation would have been swept off the face of, face of the earth, again from the documentary history. And a temple would have been built in Independence, Missouri by the generation living in 1832, also from the Doctrine and Covenants, section 84, verses 4 and 5. So it's a myth that his prophecies came to pass. <laughs> it is. It's a myth. Yeah. Joseph Smith predicted the return of Jesus Christ within 56 years of this prophecy, which would mean that Jesus' return would have happened before or no later than 1891. Yeah. It's now 2019, and Jesus still hasn't come back. <laughs> Now, a false prophecy is obviously one that doesn't happen within the time frame. No excuse can justify a false prophecy, and it's only false prophets who prophesy false prophecies, right? That's right. Doctrine and Covenants 87, Smith prophesied a civil war, that it would spread, that it would start, and then it would spread to all nations, and it didn't, proving another fake prophecy. It didn't spread to all nations but we did have right. the Civil War. Right. God says that if anyone prophesies something that doesn't take place, ignore him. He's actually introducing heresies or stories that he has made up. Yep. There's one very popular myth that has made the rounds since 1848, and probably most people, at least in Utah, has heard this story. And it's about the seagulls eating the crickets. It's actually one of those stories that has been embellished through the years to where it's become mythical in its proportions. After the Mormons settled into their new homes in Utah, they cultivated the ground and planted crops. The myth goes like this. Yeah, you're breaking my heart here, of course. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. In 1848 came the crickets. These swarms of crickets threatened to wipe out all of their crops. Then the prayers of the pioneers were heard, and flocks and flocks of seagulls showed up, ate the crickets, and saved the harvest. Okay, that's not, a very short version. <laughs> yeah, they not only ate them, but they, our, the story always went that they went out and they threw up. Regurgitated Regurgitated them, yeah. and came back and ate some more. And, and they kept doing it and doing it until they were all gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what I heard, too. <laughs> Although the true part of the story is probably that there were crops right. and that there were crickets and yeah. that there were seagulls. But the truth ends there. The rest of the story is pure exaggeration. It's told to build up the faith of the Mormon people and also to impress non-Mormons about the sure. Mormon religion. God's hand. Now, there's a new book out entitled New Mormon History, which writes about this story. The author lists several reasons to consider the seagull and cricket story as an exaggeration of a very minor event, and we quote. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of humorous. Um, gulls did not arrive until after severe cricket damage had already occurred in 1848. In 1848, Mormon crops were seriously damaged by three enemies, frost, crickets, and drought. The gulls dealt with only one problem, and too late at that. The miraculousness of the event was not clearly recognized by contemporaries, including newspapers, diaries, and official church correspondence. Since 1848, gulls frequently have been on the wing to feast on crickets and other insects, making the 1848 encounter hardly unique. And that's the truth. <laughs> Now, some More of these the stories are fun to listen to. Children love to hear these yeah. kind of stories. But using them as evidence that Mormonism is true is bearing false testimony <laughs> and perpetuating a myth. Another myth that is repeated by leaders and regular members alike is comparing the Mormon temples and rituals with the Old Testament temple. We quote an anonymous statement. And whether it's anonymous or not, this is, was a big one for me. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. The reason the original LDS temple ceremony and the Masonic ritual were virtually identical was that they were both the original ceremonies of Solomon's temple. And that myth is still going on today in Mormon circles. Sure and I believe is. the polygamists believe the same thing. Even though they don't have temples, they still believe that that is true. Yeah. And it's a complete myth, absolute myth. There are no secret ceremonies practiced in Solomon's temple. There were no marriages performed in Solomon's temple. No baptisms or baptisms for the dead performed in Solomon's temple. The Masonic uh, ceremony began, they claim, in the 16th century yeah. when most people could not read or write and so they designed skits and symbolisms to portray the Masonic message, mm. which they claim were the same ones that was done at Solomon's time. But in fact, it's dramatically different. No Israelite ever entered the temple for any reason except to worship by sacrifice. Only priests who were descendants of Aaron could minister in the temple. A non-Jew was forbidden entrance. There was a special courtyard for them. The Mormon temple rituals came about only after Joseph Smith became a master mason. He copied their rituals and incorporated them into the Mormon temple rituals and lied by saying they came from God. In fact, many Mormons have complained that there is a freaky weirdness to the temple experience, and some have said there's too much focus on Satan and very little focus on Jesus, which would never have happened in the Solomon's Temple. No. Now, a couple of shows ago, we quoted uh, quite a bit about the visit that the Pope and the LDS Church President no. Nelson had. 
And we wondered uh, in that show if Nelson had asked the Pope to give back the Bible manuscripts that the LDS <laughs> claimed the Catholics had stolen and hidden away. And that's our next myth. Probably didn't ask them that. <laughs> I probably didn't. <laughs> the Pope and a few monks know that the LDS Church is true because the Vatican vaults contain some of the missing books of the Bible, which clearly show that fact. They keep them hidden because if they came out, it would mean the end of the Catholic Church. So, and prove Mormonism was true. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. So, of course, uh, we gave enough details in the recent show that we covered this, indicating that even history does not back up this accusation as even being possible because there were there are already too many manuscripts distributed into the known world before the Catholic Church even came into existence, and even so, they couldn't possibly have gathered all those thousands of manuscripts right. together and destroyed them or hid them away. Yet LDS and polygamists alike continue to hang on to the story and tell and retell it as the years go by, but it's only a yeah. In 2011, an article appeared in the Salt Lake Tribune, written by Adam Ford, who was commenting on the musical play entitled Book of Mormon, yeah. which was a spoof of the Mormon Church and its missionary activities. A long, long time ago, I talked about this, and but this so fits into this, I thought I would kind of bring up some of its points again. Now, the play, the Book of Mormon play, was considered an insult to many Mormons. Others were able to laugh at themselves and enjoyed the entertainment. That's what I Adam Ford critiqued it for propaganda purposes. And this is the article um, that I downloaded off the Internet that Adam Ford wrote about that musical play. He critiqued it for propaganda purposes, and we're going to quote a couple of things he said. His first one here is, The play's main message is simple and beautiful. If a belief leads people to happiness and a better quality of life, that belief is a good thing. And here is the key, people shouldn't allow doubts about, their, about the truthfulness of that belief to interfere with its impact. You know, <laughs> these kinds of things just make me tremble. Yeah. And this is exactly what we're talking about. He said doubts about the truthfulness of Mormonism should not interfere with its impact. <laughs> doubts about the truthfulness should be investigated, not tolerated. When people turn uh, from the truth and they'll end up believing just about anything, yeah. the myths and the fables that God forbids, yeah. we have some more of his we're, comments. We're seeing that all the time here. Yeah. Truth can be the enemy of good. Fables can shape behavior for the benefit of all society. If religious stories help people love their neighbor and treat them with dignity and respect, they are noble, regardless of historical or metaphysical reliability. Being a part of a church organization that tells a story or professes doctrine that might not be entirely correct may be worth it. Worth what? <laughs> Is, does truth not matter anymore to some of the truth being the enemy of good? Yeah, Jesus Christ described himself as the truth. Is he the enemy of good? Now, God said, do not follow cleverly invented stories, myths and fables. Joseph Smith told cleverly <laughs> invented stories, and some of them were not so cleverly either. But he called many of them revelations, but they weren't. And he has led and continues to lead thousands, thousands of people down yeah. the broad road of his deceit. The polygamy groups are following Joseph Smith's pathway of deceitfulness and lies and tall tales despite God's warnings against it. This man, Adam Ford, speaks in direct opposition to God's word. He said, fables and religious stories 
can be noble. There is never anything remotely noble about telling lies or about the lies that are being told, especially as they relate to a person's religious beliefs, which affects their eternity. One more quote from uh, Mr. Ford. This is a good one. John 8. Oh, this is from the Bible. Oh, right. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> this, is, mixed this that one up. was from John. <laughs> but it is from John 8, 45. Uh, from Adam is what I meant. Anyway, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. So this is Jesus speaking. Yes. It's, him, it's his quote. Telling religious lies to increase faith is for all intents and purposes a lie of Satan. And Jesus said is speaking Satan's own language. Yeah. That ought to cause you to stop. <laughs> now we have another quote yeah, from Adam this Ford. This is from him. In today's information age, Mormons in unprecedented numbers are discovering unpleasant and inconsistent aspects of their historical narrative. Some express doubts about doctrines. The Book of Mormon, the musical, encourages Mormons experiencing crisis of faith to stay and keep their shoulder to the wheel in spite of their diminished confidence. Again, this is another one of those that just is just awful what he said. Uh, he's speaking in opposition to Jesus Christ who did not say keep your shoulder to the wheel. Jesus said give me your heavy burdens and take my light one and I will give you rest. Forget the <laughs> shoulder to the wheel nonsense. That's just another myth to keep people in Mormonism's bondage. A former employee of the LDS Church Education System, the CES, uh, discovered that when he took the time to check out the alleged dishonesty of the LDS Church that some people accused them of doing, that many times he found out the facts were on the accuser's side. Yeah. He said it occurred to him that Joseph Smith established a pattern of institutionalized deception and that God approved of lying to, perfect, to protect his work on this planet. He made a list of some of their deceptions, and we want to end part two of this program sharing portions of that list with you. Now, you can go to mormonthink.com, and the link is on the screen, to get the entire list, the entire article. And it's very, very long. Yeah. There's a lot. And it all has the references and the footnotes that you need to do to check it out. The practice of lying for the Lord is multiplied dozens of times over in Mormon polygamy groups. And we want to share just a few of the findings of this man about Mormonism's philosophy of telling mythical stories and pre presenting them as truth. We begin with this one. The LDS Church permits members and others to believe that the history of the church was written by Joseph Smith. It wasn't. No. no In fact, wasn't. I think someone said about 60% of the history of Joseph Smith was written after he died. Oh. And yet they presented it as, as yeah. his own. Uh, much of it was written after his death, which in itself might be okay, yeah. but tell it. Tell, tell us the truth about it. What, yeah, you, know, exactly. you don't have to fib. Here's another one. Official Mormon histories have omitted references to Joseph Smith's drinking 
and use of tobacco to create a more favorable impression of their prophet who, if living today, would be unable to pass a worthiness interview and earn a temple recommend in the church he founded. <laughs> yeah, we didn't hear much about his drinking and uh, And yet he did. And wine. I've read uh, people's no. journals where they say Joseph Smith rode through town today and he saw a cigar hanging out of his mouth. He smoked. He smoked cigars. He drank liquor. He drank wine. He drank tea and coffee. <laughs> Our next yeah, one. The next one. Joseph Smith <laughs> institutionalized the practice of lying so church leaders could deny the practice of taking multiple wives and keep Smith out of legal trouble. A now, lot of that. This one is kind of a tricky one. Uh, when referring to polygamy in those early days, if accusers did not use the exact uh, terminology mm. uh, about asking them questions and stuff, uh, Mormon leaders felt that they were justified to lie about it or deny the polygamy. Just not but tell the whole truth. Right, right. Yeah. They had their secret language. But if they did use the right wording, they lied about it anyway, so it didn't <laughs> matter either way. But their view was, was then and it is now that it was more important to live the higher law than to expose the truth. Yeah. That higher law could be polygamy, it could be loyalty to the leader, or loyalty to the prophet, or to the religion itself, or all of the above, or part of the above. There is so much more information on this website and quotes worthy of our attention that as I went through the list, I think there's over a hundred, two hundred, some of them. Maybe do another show on it. Or I would just pick some. And you can, you know, you yeah. can, of course, uh, pick what you think would be appropriate for for what That's you want to produce on this and. and future show on the particular uh, topic and and uh, all of the all of the references are there which is good you need yeah. that when you're telling well, you, the truth right you want to <laughs> have it supported by your by exactly facts, yeah. exactly we can't just run out and <laughs> say something without having some facts to support it which we yeah. try to do all the time on this show we don't have time to go through any more of those myths but this pretty much uh, covers the idea that the Bible tells us <laughs> not to follow myths not to follow fables or cleverly invented stories. Well, and when you do, you have no foundation if you're not if you're following something that can keep moving. The target keeps moving. You really don't know what you have. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've noticed some of those changes in in the mainstream church. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the polygamy groups are they changing. They go through changes often, when when new leaders come in. There will yeah, be changes and yeah. maybe tightening up or loosening up or. New revelation. A yeah, new, <laughs> new inspiration from God, I guess. Yeah. Right. But one thing about that is God doesn't change his I mind know. about anything. He right. didn't instigate polygamy or celestial marriage or, or anything and then, and then change and then it or, change or, or say not to do it yeah. or put it on the back burner until a later time. He doesn't do that. That's not how he, he works. So uh, anyway... That's our that's our myth story yep. <laughs> for today. Thank you, Earl. You bet. Thank, Thank you, you so much for helping um, and supplying information here. You know, First John two twenty one tells us that no lie comes from the truth. So if Mormonism is the only true religion, how can they possibly justify institutionalized lying for the Lord? Especially in light of the fact that the devil is the father of lies. The very foundation of this religion is based on false testimony and cultural changes. And Jesus said, all who believe the truth listens to him. It's a lie that began with Joseph Smith that polygamy is a requirement for eternal life. It's a lie from Joseph Smith that there is marriage in heaven and that God gives direction to polygamous men which females he can take as plural wives. It's all myth and fable 
and Jesus Christ said there are no marriages in heaven, and he said monogamy was God's plan from the very beginning. Jesus is the truth, the devil is the liar. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.